This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you would live like Jesus and share his love. Today, we continue in our second season of Radiant Reflections in our series on death and dying. Our last episode, episode number 59, was entitled Debunking Death. And as Josh and Ryan and myself had this conversation, we realized that this was going to need to be in two parts. So today we bring you episode 60, which is really part two of the Debunking Death episode. And what we're talking about is some of the misnomers, some of the wrong ideas that even Christians have surrounding the topic of death. We'll dive into what the Bible has to say about these issues. Here's Ryan, Josh, and myself with episode 60 of Radiant Reflections. Um, this now, one gets a little, this one's fun. The next one. Are you, are you looking at four? I'm looking at five. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Far. Yeah, here it so is. So this one, that's, I don't know that it's even like a misconception really, but I mean, you, you kind of have this generalized response when somebody dies, you know, regardless of what the person's life was like, what their faith was like, you say, oh, they're in a better place. Like, let's, let's drill into that real quick. <laughs> real quick. Who, who's in a better place? Okay, they, and who they are right. And who isn't in a better place? Right. 100% that statement is true as long as they follow Jesus, right? If they have faith. They are in a better place, but we're not. And we are suffering their death, and we have to deal with that pain, and that stinks. So I think sometimes we use that. Again, it's just a coping. It's to not actually dig into the pain that what I mean. This is why we as followers of Jesus, we have to mourn. Allow the real pain to enter in. Mourn. It stinks. It absolutely stinks that loved ones have passed. Um. And, and you said it, the three emotions. Um, oftentimes I meet with the family prior to the funeral service and I will tell them, you need to allow the emotions to come to the surface. Be angry at God, he can take it. King David, oh my gosh, so many times just angry at God, but he falls on his face and pleads with God. And it just, it's okay. Allow those to come because those are real emotions. We need to deal with them. So saying they're in a better place as long as you are dealing with your real emotions, it's a, it's a true statement. But don't allow that statement to cover your loss and your pain here on earth. Mm. No, it's good. Uh, all right, next one. Cremation versus burial. Uh, is one of those more biblical than the other? Should a believer be cremated? And what are some of the conversations you've had with people about this? I mean, and, and I do want to give a little bit of context. Now, obviously, this is a, a totally different, I'm not equating uh, Christianity and Islam. But I mean, for example, adherence to Islam, uh, do not allow cremation. Like, I mean, so that's like a, that's a no-no, you know, within, within the context of, of Islam. Is there anything that we have from a biblical standpoint that would say, oh, no, well, you should absolutely be buried or you should be cremated or it doesn't matter one iota? So I'm going to answer this in two ways. Number one, the question was, is one more biblical than the other? I'm going to say yes in this area. We see burial and not cremation in scripture. So from that aspect, I'm going to say, yes, one is. 
But is the Bible, is God's word against cremation? Unless I'm wrong and someone can correct me. I, I don't think so. I don't see it anywhere. Um, but what we do see is just burial in, in, in scripture. If Jesus lived right now and we were to write God's word like today, would we throw in cremation all of a sudden? I, I don't know. I know advances in technology. I mean, really technology because you could have burnt a body back then as well. Um, but they did burial. If you would have asked me this question 20 years ago, I would have said cremation, you can't cremate a body. Why, if, why would you have said that? I, I don't know. I, on, okay, honestly, here's why. I think I had poor death theology. That's probably why. Don't ask me to unpack that. <laughs> um, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm on the persuasion, and I could be wrong, and I will fully admit that and humble myself, that I think you could do either or. Um, that's just my persuasion. I also knowing that working with the funeral home, especially here in Surgis a lot, um, their cremation rate is on the rise. And now I believe the last time I had asked them, which was probably a year ago, they are seeing about 50-50 now rate of 50% burial, 50% or fifty casket, coffin type thing, 50% cremation hmm. um, now. So we're just seeing a lot of that increase. Do I think, yeah. That's where, that's where I personally stand um, on it. I would say I'm, I'm personally okay either way, but if someone wants to come with biblical, like this is why 100% cremation is absolutely evil and wrong, I would 100% be open to that, to hear them out. But I personally just haven't seen it in scripture where I would sit there and tell a family, you are absolutely wrong in doing that. Well, in the one, I mean, it's not something that you hear a ton, right? But I mean, one, and it's almost, I don't want to make fun of these individuals, but I mean, it's almost silly because the objection is, well, yeah, but like, but then when, when our bodies get resurrected, right? Like if, if your body's burnt, you don't have a body to resurrect, which is, again, I, I say it's, but that's actually one that I've, an objection that I've heard. <laughs> right, but but it's like um, a body that died two hundred years ago isn't there either. Right. That has long decayed. Therefore, how does that body resurrect? And matter cannot be created or destroyed. Every particle of matter that was created at the moment God spoke it into existence still exists in some form in the galaxy as we know it. So wherever those particles of people are, they will be assimilated back together. Right. And God isn't going to be and like... God's bigger than what... Like, oh, crap. We, I can't find all the pieces I know. for oh, Charles. No. We went out to the ocean and dumped them over in, over in Lake Michigan. Like, I don't know how God does it. God thinks bigger and his ways are way bigger than I can ever imagine. But if he's big enough to speak things into existence, I don't think he's too worried about like what <laughs> form. I mean, hey, missing part, that lip piece somewhere on Earth, can't find it. Part anywhere. of part of the curse, right? You know, from dust you were formed, and to dust you'll return. You know, we see that in Genesis three. I mean, so it, it, whether you get chucked in a box and thrown in a hole in the ground or cremated, I mean, you're dust, man. I mean, you're like. Well, yeah. that body in a, in a coffin and stuff, I, although obviously the process of decay is much, takes much longer. The preservatives that are in our food that we eat affect our body. Um, you know, the, the casket is made out of stronger material that's put in a 
concrete vault into the ground, but eventually that body decays and eventually is nothing but ashes, dust, whatever, particles. Yep. So there you go. If you have a, but I know that's, that, that does create tension in families. It very yes. much does so. Yes. It has in mine. I've asked my wife, that's what I want to be is cremated uh, because I'm cheap. And I just don't want to pay for a <laughs> casket. I don't think, dude, cremation is expensive. Not as much as a stinking well, no, casket. But I, but I still think cremation is, it's not like, it's Free. not like she's wheeling you out to the bonfire in the backyard. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> and my wife's like, no, 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 we, you can't do that. I'm like, why can't I do that? What do you, you know, what, what? So, although it'll be, although to, be fair, you'll be dead. She's going to do whatever she wants. This is exactly what she says, Josh. It's exactly what. <laughs> well, she that says. that brings up a, theo- a theology in funerals. Well, they would have wanted it this way. They're not there. They don't <laughs> like. Does their preference? You do what you guys in, need yeah. to do. Not, uh, you know. Yeah. My uh, wife says it's not about you and you're dead. <laughs> it is what. That is beautiful. It's one hundred percent is true. It's not about the dead person anymore. We're giving Lisa props on that. We're helping families here, but yeah, no, this is good. It's, yeah. Um, all right. Um, the last two that we have, these aren't statements, and quite frankly, I want to tread a little bit more lightly on these last two because these are ones that might hit home uh, for people. So uh, I know some of these we've laughed about. These are not These are not that type of issue. Um, and quite frankly, I don't know that the three of us will necessarily agree on some of these. Um, so that's <laughs> it's all right. And the listeners may not even and the agree listeners with may not what agree. we have and, to say. And that's, and that's all right. Um, because these two, as we close with these two, these two are very, we don't have 100% biblical evidence for these two. Right. So that's where I think that's why believers differ on this. Yeah. Uh, so the first one we're going we're gonna, to, and again, we're not going to pretend like this isn't necessarily a, a it's not necessarily, this is not at all an exhaustive treatment of these two things. Um, so this is just to kind of get, the wheels turning. Uh, so the first one is this. Do all babies who die go to heaven? And is there biblical support for one case uh, versus the other? I want to answer right away. I don't know. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> I. Okay, here's my honest answer. Then I'm going to give my feelings answer. I don't know. That's the honest answer. I don't know. My second answer, my feeling answer is, oh, by golly, I would hope so. <laughs> but biblically, I, I, I don't know. Okay. But well, no, no, there's no, a I'm, gospel question, right? So there's a sovereignty <laughs> and providence question. This is what we're, we're all three dancing around. So there's the, there's the biblical or unbiblical theology of, of an age of accountability. And for listeners and viewers, this means this is a, a point in time when a creature of God, whatever age they may be, becomes aware and conscious of yeah. what it means to be a creature under God's authority and the gospel story, sin in general. Um, but we see throughout scripture from Genesis 1 and on, from the fall of man, all of us are blood related, even after the flood, and we carry the blood of Adam, who 
we inherited a sin nature and the penalty of sin is death. So there's a, there's a gospel question about the age of accountability that we, our feelings, right? Our feelings and our heart, our emotions, of course, you, you think about the innocence of, of a newborn baby. But the, the biblical question is, are they truly innocent? To us, of course they are. They're the greatest things we've ever seen. We love them with all our heart, souls, mind. I mean, it is amazing. But what does the scripture say about every human Regardless, uh, what, is, what does it say? And that's where it's really, really hard to come down and say, uh, I said I don't know. Here's what I think. I think that the sovereignty of God and the election of God is so far beyond our capacity to understand that every person who dies, the Lord knows. He knows he knows what their choice will be. He knows it. This you mean you, his, their, that child's choice so given, if they given, were given the life here on yeah. earth to follow Jesus or not? He, is, he sovereignly knows it because an infant can't confess sin. An infant can't say, I believe in, in the story. There's no cognitive. It's not possible for that to happen. Otherwise, we say the age of accountability is a real theology that the Bible supports. And anyone who dies before the age of accountability couldn't have the opportunity to receive Jesus, so they go to hell? That's dark. That's really hard to... But yet, I don't know. I don't know. God's holy. But he's holy. Because even in that, though, we're we're superimposing our view of, yeah. well, no, well, hey, that's not right. Well, I mean, if God's, I mean, and I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, when right. you get to the age of accountability, I mean, that, like, I've heard it talked about, well, in Jewish culture, right? You have your bar mitzvah at yeah. 13. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like a big thing. But then you could go to numbers, um, numbers 14, and, and kind of the cutoff. I believe this is after you know, the spies go in and it's like, dude, you bunch of punks. Like you, you don't believe that God can do this. And then anyone who is uh, under the age of 20 was allowed to, to then go into the, the promised land later. But if you were over the age of 20, you were mm-hmm. denied admittance to the promised land. So some sources will say, oh, maybe that's the age. We don't have a, a hard, fast rule in scripture that says, Hey, once you hit here. And then we also know there are a variety of developmental and cognitive things that could be in play to where you could be, you know, 37 years old, but cognitively there are limitations in place that, you know, they limit your ability to grapple with Mm -hmm. some of the more abstract concepts like sin and and you know being knowledgeable about that but what do we know about sin nature i mean like all of us are our dads right we could see i could see sin nature in all of my children before they were even a year old yeah we didn't teach our kids how to sin <laughs> no in fact that's the first word they learned right what's the first word most kids say no no Disobedience no one, from no the get-go. No one teaches them to lie. <laughs> no and mine. No and mine, right? And these are sinful expressions that in their world, no, you're the authority God's given me. I don't want to listen to you. I'm going to do what I want to do. Mine, what I have is mine. You can't have it. I'm thinking of myself above you. So we see 
presently that the sin nature is it's it's a common vein we can't say they don't have a sin nature we deny the gospel if we say that we want yeah we 100 know we are born even now, that innocent child on day one of their life is born with sin nature yes but when do they become aware cognitively right. And spiritually, and, I am aware that I have a sin nature that is going against God. And is that the criteria that God gives us? Or is when is not? the penalty of sin enforced? Right. And those are the, the penalty of sin's death. Yeah. It is. Those are the questions we all wrestle with, and this is why we are sitting there going to the audience. We don't know. Right. But and I think I, everything inside of us sits there and goes, I I I hope. But I'm not, we're not God. We don't know. Right. But I know God is fair. He is just and right. And I am going to trust his perfect plan, even yeah. though I don't, I don't know it. The older I get, the more I lean towards my reformed brothers. As I see grandchildren in the horizon of my life in the next 10 years or so, I lean towards that just sovereignty that the Lord knows and elects and chooses uh, based upon his holy understanding of everything as we know it time space none of these things uh restrict him right and i and i i mean certain aspects i mean i, I grew up in a, in a reformed tradition uh, yeah. for a lot of years i mean and there are a lot of aspects that i would not <laughs> currently embrace um however you know as we've talked you know over however long it's been you know i i think more along the lines similar to what you've said like hey if a baby dies if a child dies you know, there is just really a level of trust that, hey, God does know. He is able to see into, you know, he's not bound by time. He can see every decision that that individual would have made and can respond uh, accordingly. Because here, I mean, and to, put, and to put a darker twist on it, and I asked this of one of our colleagues and uh, I think got him a little bit upset with me, but because, you know, the idea that if, if every baby that dies, goes to heaven, how do you hold that intention with what is often seen in you know, evangelical Christianity as a pro-life stance? If every baby that dies goes to heaven, isn't abortion the kindest thing you can do? To its full extent. Yeah. I, you know, you know. If I mean, you believe that, if you, if you fully believe that, believe that. Yeah. I mean, because because you know, otherwise, if this kid is going to grow up and then then has a choice to not follow God, but we can guarantee it's like a weird, but in a you weird guarantee twisted that way. Baby is in heaven, right? I you guarantee know, that yeah. that soul is in heaven. Now. It'd be a weird twist on you know within within yeah. extreme Islam, right? The only way to guarantee that you spend eternity in paradise is to die a martyr. Right, which is where you get, you know, suicide bombers, you know, because that's the only guarantee, you know, Mohammed mm -hmm. didn't know for sure. You know, there's this level of, uh, you know, but that's the one way you can get in, you know, in the same way, mm -hmm. uh, if we can guarantee that all of the, the kids and babies go to heaven and don't have the option to, to choose to disregard God, I don't know. Just something to hold intention and, and work through. I'm, I'm, I'm not advocating abortion. That is not no. what that statement is. No, sure. It's just a. It's just there's a lot of cognitive dissonance. Yeah. I think is you know there's like, a lot of wait, stuff that do we don't know. And perhaps did we create the age of accountability to help cope mm. with this whole idea of children and babies dying? 
and not knowing. Yeah, because if we if we don't if we don't believe in the age of accountability, universalism is true if you think about it. Because that means that age doesn't matter in the sense that if I'm 42 years old, I haven't accepted Jesus and I step in front of a Mack truck and a Mack truck hit, hits me, why wouldn't I be afforded the same thing that God knows that if I hadn't stepped in front of that Mack truck, you know, next week I would have bumped into Josh at Five Lakes. He was going to share the gospel with me and I was going to receive Jesus. So therefore I'm in heaven, even though I got hit by the Mack truck as an unbeliever. That's universalism. That <laughs> yeah. says that everyone will be saved. We know that's not true. Well, that's a hard but, tension. There. But not necessarily. I mean, because because you would still, you know, because there are people that, you know, you see it play out in Exodus, right? You see it early on, like Amalekites. Pharaoh, Pharaoh hardens his heart. Yeah. And then you get to the point where the language in scripture changes and it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart, yeah. Yeah. right? Like God is, a, hey, it doesn't matter how many chances I give Pharaoh. Free will, respect. Uh, you know, he's he will not he will not submit to the authority of God. In which case, God will leverage those things for His ultimate glory, yeah. uh, which He so, does. That's why a lot of people struggle with that. Like, why would God harden? And that goes back to you, the sovereignty of God. This is what we have to wrestle with: free will and the sovereignty of God. Both, because there's both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that yeah. sovereignty—it's one of the hardest things that Christians question in the Bible because we look at you know mighty men like Joshua, who who God commanded to go into towns and villages, and kill every living, breathing thing, even the animals, children, mm. women—not just soldiers. We're not talking about warfare like we understand it. This was an absolute—this is the word—annihilation of a people. Why would a God, why would God do this? Well, we know the answer. The only way we can conceive of this is sovereignty. God sovereignly knew that this particular group of people would never choose him. Furthermore, they would bring their own death and destruction connected to their sin nature to the people around them and infect them as particularly God's chosen people. The only way we can make sense of God commanding like that is his sovereignty. Otherwise, he is not holy, he's not righteous, and he's not good mm. if he isn't sovereign in those situations. Right. No, it's good. But that's a good, good question that people definitely, tough. it's reality, people well, it's wrestle tough. with. Do and, and, all babies go And the hard part is, again, it, it's, it's hard to engage that question without bringing in the emotional you know, yeah. feeling. Because yeah. you know, probably a lot of people that would be, oh, absolutely, they do. Well, is it because they've lost a child? You know, they've, you know. Or like JB said, you, you look at that little innocent. Right. They couldn't be. And you're like, no way. Of course. Simple, you know? yeah. But I think all three of us are in, agree, in agreement. We don't know, but we hope so. <laughs> and if you're listening or watching and you have lost a child, first of all, we want to tell you we are so sorry. Mm -hmm. We are so sorry that you experienced this and nothing we've said here, we pray has offended you in any way or hurt you. We don't know. And, and uh, we're sorry that you had to go through that. That's terrible. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I think that could be some of the worst pain to experience is yeah. the death of your child. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're going to hear from someone later on uh, uh, here in Radiant Reflections that lost a child. Um, and it's a, it's a hard story, but it's a good story mm -hmm. um, that listeners will be encouraged by. Mm hmm all right, our last one, uh, again, another, another heavy one. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll phrase it as a question. Is suicide 
a one-way ticket to hell. I ask that because here's, here's, and I've actually asked my parents. I grew up believing this. Same here. Me too. I asked my parents, did, but, but never do I recall a conversation with either of my parents about suicide. I don't recall ever hearing a sermon at church about suicide, yet I grew up with this impression. I asked my parents, did you guys teach us that? And they said, no, but that's what we grew up understanding as well. So where did this, where did this idea come from? And then does it have any merit? And again, I want to be, I want to be respectful here. I've, I've, I've actually, I've lost a family member to suicide. You know, I mean, so this is not something that I, 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 I take lightly. Um, and in that case, and, and here, this will, you know, maybe mess with people's, yeah, like my family member like, was a believer. Hmm. I mean, so this is somebody in, yeah, I don't know, speak into that. You bring some hard questions here, Josh. Whole podcast could be on these. Um, It's true. Yeah. And and that's where I'll apologize to our listeners and viewers. Like, we will probably not do these last two justice. uh, And that's my fault uh, for the way we set this up. I'm going to answer this one like I answered the previous question, which maybe the audience gets upset. They want concrete. I don't know. I would never risk my eternity on that decision of taking my life because I don't know. Now, I think it stems, and maybe you know more than I do, I think it stems from the fifth commandment of thou shall not murder. And we would say the taking of oneself is murdering yourself. Self-murder. Is self-murder. And so we take that as they are breaking the fifth commandment at the moment of death. Therefore, perhaps it's a straight ticket to hell. I would come on the other side of the argument and say, I do agree they have, that was self-murder. Um, however, if I, as a believer, get on the phone right now and lie to my wife, get in my car and go get hit by a bus and die, do I go straight to hell? Because I have unrepented sin in my life. I just lied on the phone to my wife and I just died. That person that has taken their life has unrepented sin in their life because they did just self-murder in a sense. Not in a sense, they did. And that's unrepented sin. We have to balance that. And that's, I think, that's what we wrestle with the tension. I would never risk my eternity because I don't know. I don't know if that is. I think there's a lot of different things that go into when a person gets that low to take their life. There could be chemical imbalances that we are unaware. There can be so many factors that we just don't know. And I pray to God that God understands and his grace is there as they interact with each other I just don't know. And I've had, a, I've had several classmates, unfortunately, in the last two, three years that I graduated high school with that have taken their life. 
And I remember I, immediately when I found out one of my classmates took his life, um, he wrote a letter to his two girls, left them a letter, mm. took his life. And I remember immediately getting a phone call from a brother in Christ saying, please tell me they're in heaven. Mm. And I said, and I said, I, I'll be fully honest. I, I, I can't tell you that. I, I don't know. And then I did my, one of my, my very first friend that I remember ever becoming friends with lived down the road from me. And I was able to pray at his memorial service this past fall. He took his own life. He had a lot of, he had a, a brain injury. He had served in um, a couple duties in Afghanistan. I believe it was Afghanistan. He was a helicopter pilot, flew the Apache helicopter, um, had brain injury, and ended up taking his own life this past um, this past summer. And we did a memorial service for him this past October, and I prayed. And I know um, I had invited him here as a kid, um, growing up here to the church. He was the first kid I invited to church. I know he got saved I talked to another good friend at the memorial service, and he goes, I truly believe he is in heaven. Um, he had talked to him a couple of weeks before he took his own life and um, talked about God, talked about Jesus with him, and it's tough. Mm. It's very tough. Mm -hmm. I think your point about unrepentant sin is something we really got to focus on because otherwise that's also an affront to the gospel. Because then it's up to me. Yes. Yeah. If I, if I don't say I'm sorry for the dumb things I do, then I'm not going to go to heaven? You know? And here's, yeah. a, here's a harder question. You guys tell me what you think about this. What's the difference between a person who, in a moment of extreme spiritual attack, I believe demonic, a demonic spiritual attack, possibly chemical changes in the brain makes a decision to take their own life in a, in a snap of, of their finger through whatever that act is. What's the difference between a person who believes in Jesus, but lives 20, 30 years in behavior, lifestyle choices that slowly kill their body. Mm. What's the difference? A, a fast suicide or a person who, uh, uh, I don't know. Death by Big Mac. Death, yeah, McDonald's three times a day. Mm -hmm. uh, knowing what we know about McDonald's, it's not good for you. <laughs> it's harmful to your body. It's not good. You know, how does God, you know, in the grand scheme of things, what does God see? What does he say? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's one of the things that makes this a challenge is we don't have a there's not a passage in scripture that says right, hey, if you do this, you know, we see, uh, you know, Paul uh, lays out things and says, hey, this type of person they will not inherit the kingdom of God, and and these are more lifestyle issues, you know, sexual immorality, greed, covetousness, you know, covetousness, yeah. and drunkenness. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, he identifies these things. He doesn't say. Suicide. But what he, he says say. <laughs> in that text, though, it's important. The Greek word is the word pleruo, and that actually means to practice to get good at, right? So it, it's a heart position, even in that list in, in, in Galatians chapter 5 that you referenced. Is my bend in life to go down repeatedly and like be really good at being a jealous and covetous person? 
or do I make a mistake as a believer and I have a jealous act or cup? This is the difference. It's trajectory and direction. Mm-hmm. Galatians 5 and that list of stuff that keeps you from the kingdom is whole hog. I'm in it deep end of the pool. Unrepentant. Yeah. I mean, like, to- yeah, you know, it's it's willful rejection of what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Believers who commit those things because we all covet, right? We all. But we know that it's wrong and we don't make it a practice. It's not something we play ruo, right? To get better or good at. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Now, do you do you think that this was and and I think it has some origins within Catholicism. You know, when I was when I was researching for this one, I did find, and this was probably from the early nineteen hundreds, I mean, which in the grand scheme of the Catholic Church is not old. But, I mean, uh, there's a document from the early 1900s, and they, I mean, it was super complex, but it dealt with different types of suicide, and and kind of the general feel of that was, yes, if you commit suicide, you go to hell. And I don't know if that's, you know, is that just kind of a residual thing within Protestant churches? Because, again, the thing that blows my mind is nobody knows where... (laughs) Again, I I was never taught it, thought it. My parents never taught it, thought it. Like what? Where did it, do you think there's some level of we we go over the top with that one because we don't. Nobody wants to be the one that says, "Hey, you know what? It's totally cool to follow Jesus and kill yourself." Are people trying to put up guardrails or extra biblical parameters to try to limit? That I don't I don't know I'm just, I'm thinking out loud I don't because ultimately I think I'm I'm like you guys I don't know now I will say and and again this is where you could accuse me of you know just going by feelings you know, you know I mean my cousin like I mean you're 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 one hundred percent hoping that one day when God calls you home your cousin's right there. And on some level, you know, like I have a piece about that, hmm. but I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And that's why I say the danger is try not to risk your eternity because we don't know. And be careful around people like Joshua here who have, have uh, had that kind of loss in their life about speaking brashly definitively and crassly in their presence because mm-hmm. this is a this is a pain that's really deep and serious don't put yourself on the throne and and speak as if you were god mm-hmm. because we don't know don't speak authoritative i don't think we can speak authoritatively on this issue and when we right. do we we risk damaging and hurting uh people who just love god or trying to get through life yeah and I would say this, if you're listening, watching, um, I'm not saying every time someone commits suicide, depression is there, but I think often it may be. Please reach out Yes. before um, there is the suicide um, national hotline number out there. Call the church. Please reach out. Don't risk your eternity on that one decision and I think I can say this. I think you guys would agree with this. Suicide is very selfish. 
we don't know everything that's going on, right? But sometimes, what was the saying? It's temporary. Uh, it, it, it feels like it's a temporary relief from your pain, but it's forever. It's a permanent thing. And what you leave in wake for family and friends is devastating. I think I think it's important though to point out like that isn't necessarily you know if you have somebody that's wrestling with severe depression that isn't on their radar. I mean so I mean so I did, I think we have to be a little careful with that as well of saying hey it, it's selfish and and because in some ways yeah but I mean but like when when you're in the in the that that depth I mean what was it two years ago we did mind monsters mm-hmm. right just that it like like all you can all you can see is the pain. All you and it doesn't feel like it's ever going to end. It doesn't seem like you know there's there's any sort of hope. You know it's really difficult in those moments to try to adopt an others oriented perspective. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. But we can it's, we can adopt a defensive perspective because you think about what's the number one thing that the enemy of our souls wants to do. It says he seeks to kill, lie, destroy. He wants to kill kill human beings before they have an opportunity to receive Jesus as Savior. This is his MO. This is all he's about. And the number one lie that Satan speaks to a person who is contemplating suicide is that this will fix it. Hmm. This is going to bring the relief that you need, that you can't get anywhere else. This is going to fix your problem. Hmm. And, and like Ryan said, listen carefully, it will not fix your problem. And the, in, a, in a, a different twist on that lie, too, in, and you hear this sometimes in, in the context of suicide, oh, well, like, you know, in reference to the others, I mean, we talk about, you know, is it, is it selfish? They actually can look at it and say, well, hey, everyone will be better off without me. Mm. So in a weird, twisted way, mm. like, they view this as a selfless again which i don't i don't it 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 isn't uh, right. but i mean it's just the 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 crazy you know amount of uh stuff that goes into it is yeah not something to treat flippantly you know uh, by any uh by any means but uh anything you guys want are you looking something up uh, i was but just okay. continue it may not be there did you get that hotline uh i do and i, I do want to put this out there uh the uh, national suicide prevention lifeline the number for that is 1-800-273-8255 um if you're local my phone number is 269-221-8643 um but yeah if, if that's if you're in a spot where that's something that you're thinking through uh yeah please reach out call the hotline uh touch base with us um yeah call the hotline first because uh, they're, I mean, they're like twenty-four Equipped. hours. I mean, mm-hmm. round the clock. Um, but yeah, and then as you as you process through things, uh, yeah, we'd we'd love to have a conversation with you. Did you find what you're looking for? I didn't. Okay. Well, hey, on that, uh, I mean, really kind of somber note, uh, we're going to wrap up uh, this episode of Radiant Reflections. Thank you for hanging out with us as we've unpacked these uh, just different ideas. You know, some of them misconceptions, some of them uh, just questions that there isn't always a great answer for. Uh, Again, we'll continue our series on death and dying next time. Look forward to seeing you then. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. 
We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share his love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out theradiantlife.church. That's theradiantlife.church. Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at theradiantlife.church. That's podcast at theradiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.